I'm glad I gotta get this microphone ready. Now it gives me just a little more time to prepare for my talk. <laughs> I need that extra 15 seconds. In this tradition, uh, Dhamma talks are spontaneous. I do teach classes and I'll have, you know, paperwork and books and a lot uh, electronics in front of me when I teach a class, but the training for these kind of gatherings is to speak spontaneously to the people in the room uh, about the Dhamma. And it's, you know, I got some kind of a medal in high school for extemporaneous speaking. So I feel like I was made for, <laughs> I was made for this. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, I come in and I sit here and I feel really nervous or my kind of stomach is doing flips or my mouth is dry. I think of Ajahn uh, Long Purpasano one time was sitting, I don't remember where I was sitting with him, but he was sitting there for a moment at the beginning after someone had requested a Dhamma talk and, and, uh, and he said, oh, I'm just, just patiently waiting for something to come into my mind. <laughs> Coming to the center of the last few Weeks has been really interesting because uh, two weeks ago, there was a flood. That was only two weeks ago. And last week, there was a holiday celebration and a potluck. And this week, uh, there is a detour through downtown Portland <laughs> on my drive. And Heidi Sue, I passed her on the street and got to pick her up. And I'm starting to think of my trips in as a quite an adventure every week. It reminded me this morning as I was being rerouted through downtown, it reminded me of uh, years ago, I was driving Longpur and one of his attendants from somewhere in the city to the Dhamma Center. And we hadn't been here that long. I wasn't all that familiar with this area, more than just knowing the quadrants, whatever. And uh, I ended up accidentally detouring into downtown. And, I, and I'm thinking, well, he's a Buddhist monk from California. He doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't know what's happening. I didn't say anything. <laughs> and uh, it was quite obvious. <laughs> We're going over a bridge <laughs> into downtown. <laughs> and finally, he looked at me and he's like, where are we going? <laughs> of course, <clears throat> quite the ex uh, existential question. I said, well, I'm not sure. <laughs> I might be lost. And pulls out a smartphone. <laughs> Let me figure it <laughs> And uh, directed us back over here. These things happen. You know, we make funny mistakes, things crop up, things are unpredictable. My, my daughter knows me as someone who is uh, pretty oriented around Murphy's Law, you know, 
if it can go wrong, it will. And if it can go wrong to someone, it will be me. Okay. <laughs> That's the first noble truth, by the way. <laughs> or maybe it's a cause. That's the second noble truth, by the way. <laughs> if something can go wrong, number one, if it can go wrong to me, it will. And I heard a heard a funny quote the other day. It was actually Michael from The Office. Those of you old enough to remember The Office. Um, he said, uh, I saw it in a meme or something. He said, well, I'm not superstitious. I'm just a little stitious. <laughs> and that's kind of uh, you know, a little bit how I approach this life. I'm not superstitious. <laughs> I'm a little stitious. <laughs> I'm careful. Try to take care, try to pay attention, try to see what's happening around me. And when it goes sideways, I try to meet it right then and there, meet it in the present rather than uh, look for who to blame and what to do and <clears throat> why it went wrong and how to fix it. And I recognize that, you know, we do need to obviously find the cause of problems and fix them. You know, if something, if there's a flood, <laughs> for example, uh, we have to see where the water's coming in and we have to stem it in the moment and then make a long-term plan for the health of the building, for the health of the system around us. But that is taking care. That's paying attention. That's doing what needs to be done without blaming, pointing fingers, um, stressing out, I guess. The Buddha you know, taught that there is suffering and that everything that has arisen is subject to ceasing. So we can learn to expect things to be different, things to be off, things to change from the first time we experience them to the second time, to the third time, to the fourth time. And the only, you know, the, the main reason that we're caught off guard is that we're not paying attention. If I'm paying attention, really paying attention on a sort of even a molecular level, my drive, say, to the center, well, today there's a big detour, but there's always, you know, there's always different rocks in the road. There's always different people on the sidewalk. There's always different blocks that have construction. Something's always not as it was. Everything that has arisen is subject to change, to cease, to end. And that's why the breath, you know, is such a handy meditation tool because we can see it happening in a moment. 
In-breath. Can't stop there or we're dead. <laughs> it's got to keep going. So in-breath, pause, out-breath. In-breath, pause, out-breath. That is what's happening everywhere at all times. Everywhere we look. Something is being born. Something is living its life. And something is uh, ceasing to be in existence. <clears throat> and, uh, uh, you know, humans, we don't love that. <laughs> That's very... <laughs> frustrating, irritating, and um, causes us a lot of grief because we are attached to those things that are being born and living their life and uh, dying. And we can look at, you know, obviously difficult events like losing a loved one or you know, losing money or um, you know, having a disaster befall our home or our lives. Um, and we can intellectually see that this thing has been born, it's been built, it's come into existence, and now it's ending or it's changing really but we can't start there. <laughs> it's, we can't start this process of seeing that cycle clearly uh, with the biggest, most difficult events in our lives. It just, we can't. It's too hard because we do have these attachments and rightly so. You know, my kids have told me more than once, well, I didn't ask to be born. I mean, that, what a cliche, but here they are. <laughs> here they are, just throwing that cliche right in my face. Well, I didn't ask to be here. No, be that as it may, <laughs> you are here. Now I feel pretty strongly about it. <laughs> I'm pretty attached to you, but also, how you behave and how you misbehave and how you look and what your hair is doing. My son's barber is on a walkabout in Spain. He's not going to be back for four weeks. And I was like, Ethan, we really should have got you in before. Maybe we need to go somewhere else. And he's like, Jason's my ride or die. I can't get a haircut. <laughs> okay, kid. <laughs> I guess I can still be seen with you. We have all these funny little attachments. Ethan's attached to Jason and I'm attached to Ethan getting a haircut. So where do we go? You know, where do we go from there? Um, but it's these things, it's the funny, sweet um, moments of suffering. Ever have a sweet moment of suffering? It's watching your disheveled kid call his barber, his ride or die. That's a <laughs> That's a moment of suffering, but it's not the end of the world, you know? So then I get to look at me. Okay. Can I live with this? Well, of course I can live with this. It's his hair, you know? I don't really care if I'm honest, he's adorable. <laughs> but I've somehow attached to being in charge of the way he looks, right? 
So I just go back there. I walk down that rut over and over and over. Well, I'm supposed to care about that. <laughs> so even if we realize we're becoming unattached from things, we forget <laughs> because we remember in our bodies, really thinking this is important, caring about it, walking down that rut, same rut over and over and over. <clears throat> you know, and the Buddha advised us to try to see things clearly. Now, what is really happening here? What is really important? What really needs to change? What really needs to um, have your attention? You know, a, a, a well-known teaching in this tradition is the cup, the cup is already broken. Now, this cup came into existence and it will come out of existence and it might wear down or get lost or break or be shattered or be thrown or just, you know, whatever happens to cups over their lifetime, but it won't exist eventually. It will exist in some other form. It won't exist at all. And, uh, you know, Buddhists get accused of being uh, nihilistic <laughs> sometimes. Well, if it's already broken, then, you know, what's the point of it? What's the point of it all? What do we do? Who cares? <laughs> why anything? That's what my husband says. Why anything? You know, he's my teacher. But what we do is we recognize that it came into existence and it will eventually not exist anymore, at least in the same shape. And we care for it with absolute presence and attention for the time that we have it. So just because it will break doesn't mean I should drop it on the floor or not pay attention or knock it off the table or not wash it, not put it through the you know, dishwasher. While I have it, knowing that it's not mine, but also I can bring my full attention and care to it. That's the path, that's the middle way. Doesn't belong to me and still I care for it. This is a, you know, this is a house, this is a kid, this is a drama center, this is a career, this is a friendship. This is a marriage, doesn't belong to me. But while I have it, I care for it. I bring it my full attention. And so in this way, once we start looking at all the conditioned phenomenon, not phenomena, <laughs> phenomena <laughs> in our lives, the things around us, the things that have been created out of the conditions of our lives, we don't grasp them so tightly. If things start to fall apart, you know, we can accept that because that's the reality of literally everything. But while it's in our care, we can bring it our full attention. <clears throat> so the first 
noble truth, there is suffering, is recognizing that things that have arisen are subject to ceasing. And the cause of suffering is grasping on to the way that we think things should be. No. If I pick this up too many times, I probably will drop it. <laughs> That's my jam. <laughs> but um, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to take care of it. If there's an accident, if something happens, if somebody takes it, <clears throat> if there's something I need to learn from that, my job is to learn it. Oh, oh, I picked it up too many times. I dropped it. I should have left it alone. That's okay. Or I should have used something plastic. <laughs> or, you know, I shouldn't have uh, walked outside with it. It's all pavement out there. If it slips out of my hands, it's going to break. So if this ceases to exist or changes in my care, my job is to learn from that experience. Oh, is there something I could have done more skillfully to care for it? Maybe keep that here, use it next time. And then, okay, it's done. You know, it's over, it's gone. Do I need to replace it? Maybe, you know. Are there 40 more? Yes. <laughs> so we just make these decisions in context. And this practice is a path of bringing attention, making choices, making a move, doing the next right thing, and then evaluating the results. And if we stay more or less in that very simple framework, then there's nothing to be worried about. There's nothing to fret over. There's nothing to hang on to. Just bring our attention, get as much information as we can. Bring our care to something. Watch it fall apart <laughs> as it will. <laughs> and then decide what lessons you know need to be brought forward oh. this practice is a it's a way of holding the reality that everything is a big deal <laughs> and nothing is a big deal, right? Everything is worth caring for while it's in our care and nothing is going to benefit from our hanging on, from our making ourselves miserable about it. <clears throat> So we can start with the little stuff, 
I've told this story before, I'm sure some of you have heard it, but years and years ago, you know, I was talking about, uh, I was up here somewhere, <laughs> Selwood, I think, talking about having a few gray hairs, noticing a few gray hairs and um, dealing with that, right? Oh, that's new, interesting. What does that mean? What do I do about it? <laughs> Anything, nothing? More iron, you know, there's a lot of, <laughs> You know, you can do a lot of things to try to stem uh, the flow of the stream. And uh, afterwards, someone who was there said, uh, well, you know, a few gray hairs is the biggest thing you've got to worry about right now. You're doing pretty well. And I was like, well, it's just a way for me to use my practice muscles to look at these small things that don't bother me that much because if they bother me a little bit or they've got my attention or my mind goes to how can I fix this or is there something wrong here then that's an indication uh, that I'm grasping somewhere so noticing these really small things becoming more and more refined with our attention. Not just noticing when there's a detour downtown, but paying more and more attention to the pebbles in the road, the smaller changes. Uh, we can develop our muscles of practice so that when something big happens that always there's always something um we've got some muscle memory we've got some chops we've done some work there's a little bit of calm there's a little bit of uh we don't go down the same rut we made a new rut <laughs> the more skillful <laughs> a little better rut uh, so just always digging those you know digging into what is skillful how can I bring more skillfulness, more attentiveness, more learning uh, to every little thing, seeing things in terms of the Dhamma, and then letting the practice come through in all these different ways. It will just help us manage some of the, the bigger uh, see things, some of the bigger fallings apart. <laughs> For a while, my uh, just I'll end here, except to say that for a while, my solution to the gray hairs was to pull them out. <laughs> but I learned that's not sustainable. <laughs> so we just learn and have a laugh and have a community. You know, we'll figure out the right way. The way that makes the most sense that is the least amount of grasping and the most spiritual progress and it's just a matter of looking and watching and laughing um, and enjoying it i think